that New York City was on the brink of a terror attack? I bet you you didn't know about that. Well, today I'm going to reveal the raw truth. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, yes, in fact, there was a terror attack planned for New York City for the summer of 2016, and we are just finding out about it now. I know, are you scratching your head and thinking, what? <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. And I'm gonna tell you today about the three men who were involved in this attack, and how they got caught, and most chillingly, I'm going to actually read to you the quotes that they said, because these three wannabe terrorists happened to be talking about their plot, unbeknownst to them, with an FBI agent, and that's how the plot was foiled. Now, before I get into the story, um, each of them have very interesting stories, I just want you to um, think about, as you may know from listening to my other podcasts or my vlogs or anything else that I've done in the media, one of my pet peeves, my biggest pet peeve, is that we are, in America, living in such a state of denial. And uh, although, you know, I'm not recommending that we hang out in bed all day with the covers pulled up over our heads, I am advocating that we each become prepared. And I talk about many ways that we need to become prepared in, in terms of our physical health and our psychological health to withstand the reign of terror that we are under, not only the terror attacks that are going to continue to happen, but the fact that every day we are barraged by stories about terror. They are, however, usually uh, stories about, like this, how terror, you know, these plots that were sort of imminent and foiled at the last minute, or things that would, um, they're more recently been more about terror attacks in Europe and so on, which of course are scary in themselves, but we are, go, after we hear about that, um, we go back into our state of denial and complacency, and it is in part due to the way that the media reports uh, about terrorism in a very sanitized way. For example, I talk, talked about how the reports of the recent 9-11 anniversary were done in a sanitized way. You would have thought that it was two pilots who had lost their way and that's why the planes went into the World Trade Center. We heard about the people who died and the people who were injured and the victims, their families and so on, which of course should be the number one uh, story. We need to keep honoring them and especially the people who worked on the grounds at ground zero and who are now ill or dead because of all the toxins that there were there. We, of course, we have to hear about that and hear about the heroes and so on, but we also have to hear about what it was, which was um, the biggest terror attack that occurred so far in the United States, and also, of course, the Pentagon, and also the plane that was headed for the White House and so on. And whenever there is an attack or somebody or something happens, even, the, you know, great example, the guy in Vegas, 
you heard from the get-go, no, this was not terrorism. There is no connection to terrorism, right? And there may well not be, um, although I can refer you to my previous podcast about the guy, the uh, Stephen Paddock, the um, Las Vegas shooter, where I do talk about how there are some connections or some things that would relate to terrorism. Uh, I'm not saying I don't have the facts that he, he did this on behalf of ISIS, but I do have the facts, enough facts, that we shouldn't be dismissing this out of hand. Anyhow, to get back to today's story, my point is that the government, the authorities, it's always reported as the authorities tell us, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the authorities are treating us like babies and um, not wanting us to have, you know, a mass panic, which I agree, we shouldn't have a mass panic, but we should be told the truth. And in my book that just came out, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, I talk about that as the most important thing that parents need to understand. And that is that they have to tell their kids the truth. Yes, you have to shape it in a way um, that is appropriate for the age and the psychological maturity of your child, but you cannot pretend that something didn't happen or all kinds of other stories that parents make up. And then the kids go to school the next day and their friends are telling them some other stories that, you know, from the parents who did tell them the truth or they saw it on television. So let me go back now to this story. But, and, and as I tell this story of these wannabe terrorists, uh, who came very close to carry out, carrying out these attacks, I wanted you to ask yourself if, um, if you would have preferred to know at that time. You're going to be amazed. The, the dialogue of these terrorists um, read like a bad <laughs> B-movie, but these are real, real dialogue because, as I said, the, uh, the FBI agent had it written down in these uh, electronic messages that the uh, the terrorists sent to him. So again, um, this the, the news was charges just now unsealed against three men for plotting to carry out terrorist attacks in New York City for ISIS in the summer of 2016. Detonation of explosive devices in Times Square and Subway and shooting civilians at specific concert venues. Now, all three men have been arrested, and one has pleaded guilty. So let me tell you about the men, and then I'll tell you about what they said and how this all came down. The three men are Abdul Rahman El Banazwi, who is a 19-year-old Canadian citizen. He was the mastermind. Then there is Talha Haroon, a 19-year-old U.S. citizen, residing in Pakistan. Then there is Russell Salik, a 37-year-old a 37 Philippine citizen. He was the money man. So um, Abdul Rahman was the mastermind. Talha Haroon was the guy who was going to come back from Pakistan to help him. And then Salik was the money man who was going to be sending money from the Philippines. Okay, so here goes the story. Um, Abdul Rahman uh, is the one who, and he, he uh, is actually in custody now in the United States, and he's the one who pled guilty. 
So once upon a time, he decided that he wanted to have uh, create a terror attack in New York City. Again, he's a Canadian citizen. He wanted to come across the border and um, perpetrate an attack in New York during the uh, Islamic holy month of Ramadan in 2016. And it's um, Abdul Rahman who bought the bomb making materials and helped secure a cabin within driving distance of New York City to use for building the explosive devices and perpetrating the attacks. Now, um, he and, um, and Haroon, I'm, gonna, I'm picking the easier names of their names to, uh, to call them so that I don't keep stumbling over them. Um, he and uh, Haroon were the ones who were making all the plans together at the beginning. Um, they were the ones who were plotting, uh, you know, working out the details together. Now, he, um, Elban, I mean, here we go, Abdul Rahman, um, he, um, they, and they communicated via electronic messaging applications on cell phones, okay? So, um, they, and, and in these messages, um, he, Abdul Rahman and Harun declared their allegiance to ISIS, and they um, told the man who was the FBI, undercover FBI agent, that they wanted to carry out Paris and Brussels-like terrorist attacks on behalf of ISIS in New York City. Now, Abdul Rahman uh, told the FBI guy that he was in contact with an ISIS affiliate about obtaining official sanction of the planned attacks. Um, it was a branch of ISIS active in Pakistan. Now, it's so interesting because, you know, it's like, so he's 19 years old and he wants some kind of validity. Um, he wants to be recognized. And he wants, so he gets this branch in, in, in um, Pakistan to, you know, give him their blessings, tell him this, he, he's great, he's going to be carrying out this attack. And this gives, makes him feel important, right? And um, somehow they haven't explained how he and Haroon got together, other than maybe it was, maybe it was this, uh, this branch in Pakistan who put him together with Haroon, since Haroon is in Pakistan. But in any case... Um, they, they pl started plotting an attack. Now, listen to the, to the words. It's the words that are really the key here. So Abdul Rahman, the mastermind, told the FBI undercover agent, these Americans need an attack. He wanted to, quote, create the next 9-11. He planned to come to, the, to New York around May 22nd from Canada. Uh, then we have Haroon, who told the FBI agent that he intended to fly from Pakistan to New York City to carry out the attacks with Abdul Rahman. So um, the two of them identified multiple locations and, uh, and events in and around New York City as targets for these attacks, including the New York City subway system, Times Square, and certain concerts. So um, 
uh, Abdul Rahman sent the undercover agent multiple images of maps of the New York City subway system with markings that showed where he wanted to attack the subway lines, which lines he wanted to attack, and which explosives would be detonated as part of these attacks. So they were making real plans, you know, real details. Then he also sent, Abdul Rahman also sent the undercover agent an image of Times Square. And he said, we seriously need a car bomb at Times Square. Look at these crowds of people. He also said later on that day, he also told the agent he wanted to shoot up concerts cause they kill a lot of people. He described what he wanted to do at the concerts as, we just walk in with guns in our hands. That's how the Paris guys did it. You know, in case you were ever wondering just how much they copycat each other, here's a good example. Now, um, Haroon told the FBI agent that the sub subway was a perfect target they should shoot as many passengers on the train as possible, including women or kids. And that when we run out of bullets, we let the vests go off. I guess they plan to uh, do the concerts before they let the suicide vests go off. Um, he also told, Haroon also told the FBI agent the, about the necessary supplies for making explosive devices for use in these attacks. And he, Haroon said, New York needs to fall. It's a must. Okay? Um, and obviously they didn't realize that this guy was a, an FBI agent undercover, or they wouldn't have been quite as explicit about all these things. Um, during May, while he was in Canada, Abdul Rahman bought a bunch of bomb-making materials for use in these attacks including approximately 40 pounds of hydrogen peroxide, which is a primary ingredient in TATP, which stands for triacetone triperoxide, which is the powerful explosive that is often used in these improvised explosive devices. He also bought batteries, Christmas lights, thermometers, aluminum foil, and other things to use in making these explosive devices and he mailed them to New York. I mean, well, yes, to his, presumably to his cabin that they found. He mailed them to the United States in any case, uh, perhaps in New Jersey, because that's where, they, that's where they arrested him. In any case, I don't know where exactly they mailed him, <laughs> he mailed them to, but it was for the purpose of these New York attacks. Meanwhile, in Pakistan, Haroon was traveling to a certain city where he would meet with an explosives expert to obtain additional information so that they could learn how to build the bombs. And he was, you know, since he was coming to meet Abdul Rahman at the cabin, they would work together to build the bombs. And so Haroon told um, uh, the um, undercover agent and presumably also Abdul Rahman, who was buying the supplies, that they needed perming cords, which is um, detonator cords for to as part of the construction of the bombs. And he said that Abdul Rahman was getting all that is needed. And he um, kept expressing his commitment, Haroon did, to travel to New York City as soon as possible 
and um, he said that he had uh, taken the steps to renew the necessary travel documents so that he could leave Pakistan and travel to the United States to meet Abdul Rahman to carry out the attack. Now, um, uh, in, also in May, um, Abdul Rahman told the undercover agent that he had been communicating with Salik. Um, and this was, so this is where Salik gets into the picture, or at least the undercover agent finds out about Salik. Uh, Salik is also called, and he went by this name, Abu Khalid, uh, and also as the doctor, and supposedly he is a real doctor, at least that's some of the reports, that he is in fact a real doctor in the Philippines, which always blows my mind that a real doctor who trains for years to save people's lives are um, terrorists. So, um, so he tells the undercover agent that, that Salik is going to be providing funding that he's going to provide approximately $500 and that Salik was a trusted ISIS supporter. I mean, you know, there's kind of an irony here. He tells the undercover FBI agent, hey, like, don't worry. Um, Salik can be, his, if you could trust him, right? He's a trusted ISIS supporter who has provided funding for uh, a number of other occasions to other countries and for other attacks. And I uh, said he would send about $500 to, uh, to pay for the additional ammunition, the bomb-making material, and so on, to carry out the attacks. And he um, told the uh, undercover agent that he had sent Salik uh, the undercover agent's account information so that Salik could transfer the money to the United States for this attack. Now, um, shortly thereafter, Salik, calling himself Abu Khalid, began messaging with this undercover agent. <laughs> and um, he said, talked to talk about how he was going to be transferring the money. Um, now, Salik, interestingly enough, has had a, a, a very active uh, pro-ISIS social media presence. And he told um, the undercover agent that he had previously sent money to many other countries to support ISIS attacks, and he expressed his allegiance to ISIS. He's convincing the undercover agent that he is um, de devoted <laughs> to ISIS. And, um, and he told the agent also that he was, and the words that he used were desperate, to travel to Syria to join ISIS. And he said, you know, he told the agent, don't worry, uh, he could safely send money to support the, these New York attacks that are being planned from the Philippines, because he said that there, um, he wouldn't attract law enforcement scrutiny. He said, it's not strict here, unlike in Australia or the UK, where even liking Facebook status will put you in jail you know, even liking some kind of terrorist Facebook uh, site or something will put you in jail. He said, terrorists from all over the world usually come here, in other words, to the Philippines, as a breeding ground for terrorists. And then he wrote, ha, 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 ha. But no worry here in Philippines. They don't care about ISIS. LOL, laugh out loud. Only in West. Da, da, da. I mean, really, that gives us 
quite a bit of insight. And this is particularly relevant uh, to the Las Vegas shooter, whose girlfriend, as you will remember, uh, comes from the Philippines and where he wired $100,000. Um, you know, again, just, just a, a little clue or a red flag that there may be some connection. So Salik sent uh, approximately $423, I guess, with the money exchange. It came out to a little less than $500. But anyhow, he did send the money um, to the agent to, to fund these New York attacks. And he said he would send more money um, to, if they needed more money, you know, to, to help this attack go through. And um, he said, inshallah, once we have the blessings, again, we will distribute again. So, um, so, so Abdul Rahman, the mastermind, shipped these bomb-making materials, including hydrogen peroxide. Oh, he's, I'm sorry. He sent them to the undercover agent in the United States. There we go. I missed that part. Um, that's, how, that's who they sent them to, who he sent them to. Uh, and... Um, and this must have been a very good undercover agent who got the trust of all of these people and who got the money, who got the bomb-making materials and so on. And um, he told them about, you know, by getting the, um, the uh, rural cabin within driving distance of New York City. And he got a, a cabin for a period of time during which he planned to do these New York attacks. And he told the, the agent that the cabin would need to contain a refrigerator for purposes of making the explosives. He also said he wanted to practice shooting at the cabin if it wasn't too close to people. So, um, and then he, when uh, the undercover agent sent Salik a photo of the hydrogen peroxide, that Abdul Rahman had sent him, you know, that was to sort of um, convince or, you know, reassure Salik that in fact his money was going for something and that these attacks were going to be taking place. And Salik reiterated his support for these attacks. And um, he also said, Salik also said that if he wasn't able to travel to Syria to join ISIS, he might carry out an attack himself. And he, Salik described New York City as the capital of kufir. In other words, the non-believers, the disbelievers. Um, New York City was the capital. And he said, it would be a great pleasure if we can slaughter people in New York City. He said he would be praying to Allah for the success of the operation when the planned attacks were imminent. Then uh, Haroon, in his, you know, further uh, conversations, written conversations with the undercover agent, he said Times Square was a perfect spot to hit them. And he said the plan could include drive-by or we surround the whole street and trap them and kill as many as possible. He said, I want to kill them in thousands and we have to make an, an ocean out of their blood leave no one standing. He again said he planned to come to New York City. Um, 
and he wanted to uh, he wanted these attacks to happen as, as early as Memorial Day. He said, that's a day that will change history. The attacks will scar them for life, knowing the soldiers of Allah are everywhere and ready. So um, Abdul Rahman, the master man, traveled from Canada to New York City, well, actually to New Jersey, and um, first, and that's where he was captured. Uh, he was arrested when he, just when he got as far as New Jersey, Cranford, New Jersey. And then um, Haroon was arrested in Pakistan, and Salik was arrested in the Philippines. And those two are um, uh, incarcerated, and the uh, United States is trying to have them sent um, to, to back, or not back, but sent, well, for the Philippines guy, I guess it is back to the, to the U.S., um, extradited to come here so that they can face trial here. In the meantime, uh, the master man, Abdul Rahman, pled guilty, I guess because uh, there really wasn't much of a choice since they had, well, for all of them, you know, they have them, uh, they have these writings, they have the um, bomb-making materials that the mastermind sent to the, to the undercover agent, they have the money, that the man in Salik from the Philippines sent to the undercover agent. They have all the writings of Haroon and so on. So, you know, this is pretty, should be a, an open and shut case. And they are all facing life, well, no. Um, yes, they're all facing life in prison. Um, yes, because of conspiracy to use weapons of mass destruction, conspiracy to commit acts of terrorism, transcending national boundaries, conspiracy to bomb a place of public use and public transportation system. Uh, they're all pretty much, and then there's for providing material support and uh, resources and so on. The only one, uh, Haroon, the one in Pakistan, the only one that he is um, not facing is uh, attempted provision and provision of materials, support, and resources to terrorists because he didn't actually provide the materials or the money. Um, so that's one that he doesn't have to face. But otherwise, there are one, two, three, uh, four, five other charges that he and all the other, the two others are facing. So, what does this tell us? It tells us that it just shows, it gives a, a, a light into their minds, their sick minds, and just how gleeful they are about the idea of spilling American blood. Now, to get back to what I was saying at the beginning, I know what you're thinking, uh, this, this plot was foiled, and did you really have to know about it? Uh, plots are being foiled all the time. And why do we have to know, you know, as long as it was foiled, that's great. <laughs> well, um, as I said, you do have to know, because unless you know that these kinds of things are happening and the degree to which the terrorists have hatred in their hearts, as expressed by them in their messages, you will not be moved enough to prepare yourself physically and psychologically for withstanding a lifetime of, um, 
of people trying to perpetrate these attacks. And you will not know how important it is to talk to your kids about the truth about terrorism. Terrorism light, um, again, you know, in a gentle way so that you don't scare the pants off of them, but to tell them about it nonetheless. And um, what I feel about all this, as you can probably tell, is angry, furious. Every time, in fact, that there is something that the authorities, and I'm doing air quotes here, the authorities don't tell us about, I get angry because we're not little children um, who have to be uh, protected from, um, you know, all the gruesome details. I mean, little children um, can be spared from the gruesome details, but, um, but adults can be, told, can be told that, in fact, there was this plot. And, and now we, we are hearing about it now, over a year later, right? And because they finally unsealed the charges. That's the only reason why we're hearing about it now. And now they figure, well, hey, well, first of all, there's going to be a trial coming in December for Abdul Rahman. Um, so we are going to hear about it. And, you know, I think that that's part of the pressure that they felt to, to finally tell us about it. But... Um, we do need to know these things and um, it makes me angry that we're not being told the truth and it makes me angry that every time there is something that could be construed as a terrorist attack that they are so quick to tell us that it is not one and then of course sometimes it turns out that it was a terror attack well this is just food for thought and i and more than that i would really um, try to urge you uh, to to demand the truth that we need to, to demand of these authorities the truth so thank you for listening to the terrorist therapist show I'm dr. Carol your terrorist therapist I just want to give you my next um, my, my addresses, my web addresses that you can look at for more information about all things terror. <laughs> I tell you the truth. Um, and it is my, my terrorist therapist site is terroristtherapist.com, www.terroristtherapist.com. Uh, the site for my Facebook page, if you just put in terrorist therapist, you will get to my Facebook page for, for the terrorist therapist. And if you would like to buy the book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, go to the publisher's website, which is www.terrorismforkids. That's terrorism, the number four, kids.com. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. <laughs>